0: Hello.
1: And welcome back.
0: Welcome back.
1: To our, our Odd Pod podcast. podcast. A podcast dedicated to the odd, the macabre, and everything in between.
0: And everything in between. If,
1: and, what were you going to say? <laughs> I
0: was going to say, this week the thing that was in between was a whole week.
1: I was going to say, if you didn't notice, we took last week off. Yes. And that was because...
0: We can do what we want.
1: And my mental health was in the toilet.
0: Sometimes it'd be like that. It's good. Should always take time to, uh, you know.
1: Spend the day crying in the bathroom. I don't know. Decompress. Not
0: speaking from experience. (laughs) I was going to say decompress, but you know what? Based on personal experience, that's a pretty good way to decompress. Yeah. Either way. Maybe not the bathroom. I mean. Kitchen. Couch. Yeah. (laughs) Front door. A door, the car,
1: patio, Really, the, op- the, the mail room. <laughs> the opportunities are endless.
0: Honestly, the uh, there's a lot of, I mean, it's not a big place, but there's a lot of spaces for it. <laughs> the um, best part is you don't have to go very far and you're in a new spot.
1: No, but like, uh, I think we deemed it better to skip an episode rather than put out a half-assed one. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing. Yeah.
0: I don't, I also, you know, like, you don't want to record with that cloud hanging over, you know? Oh, God.
1: It's already going to be like a dark episode. Right. So, like, let's not add anything else to it. No, Just
0: really not a strong start for Merlin.
1: All of a sudden, Merlin wants to be the center of attention. As
0: soon as we hit record, <laughs> he moved from where he's been on the floor for hours, a long time, to directly up Felicia's butt. It's fine.
1: But. I think this is gonna be a good episode because I think you have some input you're gonna to add to at the end of it. And it's been like, thank you. I'm so sorry. Four episodes since we talked about a murder.
0: Yes, it's been a while.
1: Yeah, I think we took like a long break.
0: Wait, what have, what have we been talking about?
1: We talked about burials, we oh. talked about eating bodies, we talked about-
0: Oh, medicine, grave robbing.
1: Yeah, all that stuff. Maybe it's been less time than I think, but it's been a while since we talked about It's been about at actual... least
0: three episodes and then one week of nothing.
1: Right. So it's so been yeah. at least four weeks since we talked about a murder. So let's just dive right in to Jack the Ripper.
0: Yeah. So now we're just going to dive right into like some of the grisliest of murders. Yes. I well, no, we haven't talked about murder in a while. Here's Jack the Ripper. Let's you do it. You ready? Okay. So... I'm so ready. Okay. I'm Jack... ready. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jack. Are you ready? Jack. Theodore Ripper <laughs> was born on October 29th, 1867 in East Sussex Sussex. Sus- 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 say it. Sussex. Sussex. London. His parents were Nathan and Charlene Ripper. Hey,
0: what is this? <laughs> <laughs> what is this bit? <laughs> uh, Nathan and Charlene Ripper? Yeah. What'd you call what'd you say his name was? Jack
1: Theodore. <laughs>
0: Jack Theodore Ripper. <laughs> J yes. Uh I have an order for a JT Ripper. That's not his name.
1: I wrote Mad Libbit Girl until Billy Stops You.
0: <laughs> I should've I should have let it go on a little longer. I could have kept just... going.
1: I had a whole backstory prepared. Nice.
0: We'll have to you'll have to do that for the Patreon.
1: <laughs> um okay, I'm kidding. Obviously. Obviously I don't know if that is true.
0: His middle name is Ruth, not Theodore.
1: <laughs> the Jack the Ripper case is one of the most notorious cases to this day because up until now, and now, uh, it remains unsolved, of course. Up
0: until and including now. now.
1: <laughs> um, along with the sheer savageness of the killer mutilating the bodies in such an unusual manner in the matter of a few minutes doesn't help. Um, Jack or Jackie the Ripper terrorized London in 1888. And I say Jack or Jackie because we don't know.
0: I prefer Jill the Ripper.
1: Jack or Jill the Ripper.
0: Jack or Jill went up a hill to rip apart some bodies. Jack came down, but they never found <laughs> his actual identity.
1: A work in progress. Yeah.
0: A poem by Billy Bone.
1: <laughs> uh. They killed at least five women, possibly more. More on that later. As we have mentioned in previous episodes, people were already killing people long before the 1880s, whether it be because they wanted to sell the body or eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's really talk about the most speculated murderer ever.
0: Let's get into it. <laughs> Cue the music.
1: Let's take it back to the largely impoverished area of Whitechapel District in the London's East End.
0: Oh, London's East End. In 1888.
1: This is where all five killings attributed to Jack the Ripper took place. Conveniently, all within a mile of each other. And spanned roughly 10 weeks between August 7th to September 10th, 1888. Okay. There are five other sus- suspected murders. Was not a long
0: period of time. Nope. Okay, sorry.
1: Which is why you would consider it like a serial killer rather than like a... Nope, that's why you would consider it a serial killer. Not a mass... Murder. Just saying,
0: he did not wait long between victims.
1: No. Anyway. anyway so, sorry. There are five other suspe- suspected murders that happened around this time, but those who investigated um, are not 100% convinced that Jack the Ripper is responsible for those. We'll talk about that later.
0: And they were not very good at their job. I'll talk about that later.
1: Yeah, no. They're... We'll get into it about how great they were at investigating, but... yeah. Um, so a little bit about London's East End in 1880s. Okay. Um, so in the mid 19th century, Britain experienced an influx of Irish immigrants, which bloated the populations um, of major cities, including the East End of London. Um, Jewish refugees were fleeing Russia as well as other areas of Eastern Europe. Whitechapel, London, became increasingly overcrowded. Work and housing conditions were terrible. I read that 55% of children born in the East End died before they were five.
0: That's not very long.
1: No. Uh, Robbery, violence, and alcohol dependency were like the huge And endemic poverty drove many women into sex work to survive on a daily basis. Oof. Um,
0: So this was not a great place.
1: Not a great time. And
0: it was very packed with people.
1: Well, when you think about the... Probably die like if they were dying before they were five, they're probably getting plague. Uh, With comes like overpopulation, comes sickness, disease, uh, alcohol dependency creates like fights, like lots of murders probably happening. But this
0: wasn't specifically like an Irish or Jewish ghetto. No, it was just kind of like where they landed when they got there. Because okay,
1: we're gonna talk about the living situations. Um, In October of 1888, it was estimated that there were 62 brothels and 1,200 women working as sex workers in Whitechapel, 8,500 people residing in 233 common lodging houses within Whitechapel every night. People weren't renting apartments. They were renting beds.
0: So wait, was 8,500 the population of that area?
1: That were living in 233 common rooms. It's crazy. Like like I just said, they weren't renting apartments, they were renting beds. Yeah. Um, at four pence. Um, and if you couldn't afford the four pence to rent the bed for the night, you were invited to pay two pence and sleep standing up on a rope.
0: How the hell do you do that?
1: Well, I guess it's probably more like leaning on a rope.
0: Maybe they like tie it around your mid and you just kind of...
1: Schlump, I don't know. Um, it was called a lean-to rope.
0: That sounds terrible.
1: Yeah. So just and vastly just, overpopulated.
0: And I was complaining because I couldn't fall asleep earlier.
1: <laughs> um, so there's quite a few um, economic problems going on, as well as anti-Semitism, crime, it nativ- nativism, racism, and other social disturbances. There's already a large number of attacks against women. Um, in the East End during this time, anyway. So that okay. adds to the uncertainty of how many victims were actually murdered by the same individual. 11 separate murders that stretched from April 3rd to 8th, April 3rd, 1888, to February 13th, 1891, were considered a part of like the Whitechapel murders, mm-hmm. um, but only five are widely believed to be the work of the Ripper.
0: The Ripper. Is there a reason why they only think those three? Is it because they were similar or? Those five. I mean, those five?
1: The MO of the other six are relatively different. Mm -hmm. Like the ones that are pre canonical are not the same as post canonical. And the ones that they think the five are attributed to Share share more similarities than the others. Okay. So let's talk about those five real quick, and we'll talk about the shoddy investigation work. Okay. Excited?
0: I'm so excited. Okay.
1: On Friday, August 31st, 1888, Jack the Ripper would begin their terror early early that morning.
0: In the early hours at three forty, Whitechapel.
1: When Felicia's getting ready for work in the morning.
0: She was murdered by Jack the
1: Ripper. <laughs> at 3.40 a.m., the body of Mary Ann Nichols was discovered in Buck's Row. A carman named Charles Cross discovered what he believed to be a tarp lying on the ground in front of a gated entrance. Mm-hmm. Upon inspecting the object, Charles Cross would discover that the tarp was actually the body of a woman. It's, like, it's a guy. It's like how people always assume it's a mannequin. It's never a mannequin. Who
0: assumes it's a mannequin?
1: Uh, well, When they discovered the Black Dahlia, the kids oh. that found it thought it was a mannequin.
0: I'm saying, like Somebody sleeping on a, a bench here. 30 people are going to call because there's a dead person. But they're not. They're just sleeping. They're just sleeping.
1: Yeah. So she was lying on her back with her eyes open, legs straight, skirt raised above her knees, and her left hand was touching the gate of the entrance. Another man on his way to work, Robert Paul, approached Charles and observed him just staring at her body. So right now we have a man staring at another man staring at a body.
0: Okay. So we're at three. (laughs) Um,
1: Charles called Robert over to um, called Robert over, and they both.
0: Hey, Robert, come here.
1: Yeah, walked towards Mary's body and examined her more closely. Charles touched her face and noted that she was still warm, but her hands were cold. Charles said he was pretty sure she was dead, but Robert Paul said she could be unconscious. Okay. Um, they pulled her skirt down to cover her lower body, and they went to find a policeman. They found a constable named Jonas Meisen. To Which his professional opinion was, she looks to me that to be either dead or drunk. But for my part, I believe she is dead.
0: Strong work. Yeah,
1: great investigating.
0: It's like it's three a.m. I get off in like three hours. Leave
1: He's me like, alone. I do not want to do the paperwork. So Robert and Charles go on their merry way.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, public. Who was it Charles found her?
1: Charles found her. Robert came up afterwards.
0: Is there a chance that Charles did it? Like, why don't we suspect him?
1: I suspect the doctor that we're going to talk about in a few. Okay. Public Constable John Neal finds his way to the crime scene and does fuck all except shines a lantern on the body. And that gets the attention of a John Thane who does the expert work of shouting, here's a woman with her throat cut. Run for once for the doctor.
0: Run at once for the doctor.
1: He said the doctor's name, but I cannot pronounce it, so I'm not even going to try.
0: Dr. Slobodan Milosevic.
1: Lewin, maybe. What's his name? L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N.
0: Oh, never mind. The name sounded familiar. Lulin. Dr. John Dorian.
1: Not Dorian. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, Neil then expects the crime scene to look for blood trails with his lantern, and he saw none. He also examined the road, saw no marks of a a carriage, no wheel marks. Mm -hmm. Um, Public constable... Uh, John Thane fetched the surgeon Dr. Lewin
0: who shows up and he's like hello it's me Dr. Lewin here for the first time this morning. Yeah,
1: it's I'm totally here. <laughs> I'm I...
0: definitely here for the first time. What's going on?
1: So doctor didn't get there till like around 4am
0: because he had to wash the blood off him.
1: And he observed uh, two teeth knife wounds that have been inflicted on the woman's throat. <laughs>
0: he's like here's me noticing this for the first time that no one else has seen. Well like Who's here? Does this lady have someone has a two deep knife wounds in their neck? Well, we weren't able to find it, doctor. I mean, uh, I just saw it just now.
1: Yeah, pretty Sorry. much.
0: Anyway, um, let me stop.
1: No, um, so he pronounced her life extinct, mm. determining
0: like the dinosaurs.
1: <laughs> though that the fact that her body and legs were so warm that she had been a dead for approximately thirty minutes. He just showed up thirty minutes after she was hurt. Er, 20 minutes after she was found.
0: So there's a pretty good chance that she just laid there and died while these people were stupid. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know what they could have done. Not a huge chance for her anyway, but like, can Um, you imagine just like slowly dying in a semi-conscious space and all you hear is, oh, she's dead. Yep.
1: She's either drunk or dead. I think she's dead though. So.
0: So, you suspect the doctor.
1: She had her neck featured two deep cuts. One which completely severed the tissue all the way down to the vertebrae.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: and she had been stabbed twice in the vagina.
0: In the vagina?
1: In the vagina. Jesus. The cramps from hell. Uh,
0: from hell.
1: And the lower part of her abdomen was partly ripped open by a deep wound causing her bowels to protrude.
0: Yummy. Oh, God.
1: Um, some of the less severe ru- wounds were incisions inflicted to both sides of her abdomen and it was concluded that those who ru- Wounds were made with the same knife. Forensic evidence suggests that these wounds had been inflicted in a downward thrusting manner.
0: So like. Yeah. I got you. Okay.
1: Mary Ann Nichols had been last seen alive nearly one hour before the discovery of her body.
0: Who was the last person to see her alive? What does it say?
1: Uh, Emily Holland.
0: Like one of her people? Yeah.
1: They like shared a common room together.
0: Okay. Also, is uh, I think, I feel like, never mind. I'm not, I mean. What? forget it. What? I was gonna say, I feel like that's the, the female lead from the From Hell movie. Oh,
1: maybe. I've only seen that movie once. Who
0: saw her last, or whatever. I don't know if it's the same person, or it's like a fictional character, but...
1: No idea. All the police officers patrolling along or near Bucks Row in the early hours of the 31st reported hearing and seeing nothing suspicious before the discovery of her body.
0: But, like, they wouldn't exactly have, would they? Because it would have just been like a Most likely, just a regular gentleman out on a stroll. And no one's going to be like, who's this fancy fucking guy at 340 in the morning just walking around?
1: Well, we don't know what he looks like, so. That's true. Police questioning all the tenants of Buckrow, including the residents of the property closest to where her body was discovered, revealed that through several residents had been awake in the early hours, none had seen or heard anything suspicious as well. As news of the murder spread, many individuals arrived to the scene. Among them were three horse slaughterers from a neighboring, like, area. Uh Uh-huh. Um, among them... Oh, it's a neighboring knacker yard. What is that? Uh, that's, like, where they slaughtered animals.
0: Oh, okay. Hello, just a troop of horse slaughterers here. What's going on?
1: Pretty much, um... They admitted to having left their workplace at 12.20 a.m. for approximately 30 minutes for a drink. But they had also not seen anything out of the usual.
0: So nearby where this body was found. Nobody. There is an entire business whose whole deal is they slaughter animals. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, nobody saw anything out of the usual. Uh Nobody heard anything out of the usual. Like police, common folk, Uh people working, people at the bar, didn't see anything. Nobody s- saw anything uh suspicious, out of the ordinary.
0: Uh, are there cryptids who eat organs? <laughs> Is it possible maybe Jack the Ripper was like a a cryptid? I
1: think Jack the Ripper's a cryptid.
0: Yeah, let's go with that. He swooped down from the buildings, ate her kidney. Is it her that was missing the kidney? No,
1: Mary Ann uh, uh, Nichols. That was
0: the fourth victim. We'll find out. Okay.
1: Um. It would only be a week later on Saturday, September 8th, 1888, that another body would be found. Shortly before 5 a.m., the son of the residents of 29 Hanbury Street, John Richardson entered the backyard of the property to trim a loose piece of leather from his boot. John Rids- Richardson would note that nothing seemed out of the ordinary, at around 5.15 a.m., a tenant of 27 Hanbury Street named Albert Kadosh entered the yard to use the lavatory. He informed police that he had heard a woman say, no, no, um, before hearing the sound of something or someone falling against the fence dividing the backyards of number 27 and 29.
0: Which one? Did the guy with the loose leather on his shoe live at 29 or whatever?
1: He was. Uh, he just stepped in the backyard to trim something oh, off of okay. his boot. I like story. Uh, And being a concerned citizen, he did not investigate these sounds. It wasn't until approximately 6 a.m. near the steps to the doorway of the backyard John Richardson had just visited that Annie Chapman was discovered. An elderly resident named John Davis discovered her body lying on the ground near the doorway in the backyard. Her head was just six inches from the steps of the property. Davis alerted three men named James Green, James Kent, and Henry Holland to his discovery.
0: Who are, are these police or they're just random people? Randos. Like, gather the bros. There's a dead person. Gather
1: around. There's a dead woman back here.
0: There's a dead woman back here. Go get James and James and Henry. <laughs> um. Well, you got to think of it. Think about my dude. He's like mid-morning poopy outside.
1: Mid-morning poopy. And I think it's just like the three people that were closest nearby.
0: And you just hear someone get murdered. I'm not investigating.
1: <laughs> He's like, mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm. No thanks. So
1: all three of those men that he alerted ran down the street to find a policeman as Davis reported his discovery to the nearest police station because we have to remember phones don't exist yet. Right. Um, At the corner of Hanbury Street, the three men found divisional inspector John Lunas Chandler and told him another woman has been murdered. Several policemen arrived in minutes and the police surgeon, Dr. George Baxter Phillips arrived at the box at the body of Annie Chapman at around 6.30 a.m. Dr. Phillips was quickly able to establish a definite link between Chapman's murder and the murder of Mary Ann Nichols. Annie Chapman's throat had been cut and cut twice and almost severed. Her abdomen had been cut entirely open, with a section of her flesh plus her small intestines being removed and placed on above her right shoulder. Yummy. Uh, Chapman's autopsy also revealed that her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed. Okay. Evidence found at the scene were six areas of blood spattering on the wall and the house between the steps and the wooden fence dividing 27 and 29 Hanbury Street. Mm
0: -hmm. Some
1: of these spatterings were 18 inches above the ground, two pills which Annie Chapman had been prescribed for a lung condition and a section of torn envelope and a small piece of frayed coarse muslin and a comb were recovered close to the body. A leather apron partially submerged in the dish in a dish of water close to a tap was also discovered near her body.
0: A leather apron. A leather kind apron. Kind of like one that a butcher would wear.
1: Ooh, yeah. Maybe one from like a a slaughterhouse. From the
0: old horse slaughter factory. Maybe. Maybe.
1: And there's also reports that there was two coins found near the yard but like there's nothing actually that documents that as a fact.
0: That's Those were for the Witcher. When did, so still no letters yet? No letters yet. Okay.
1: I actually don't talk about the letters until much later in the episode, but we'll get to it. Okay. Um, while investigating Annie's murder, a woman named Elizabeth Long described having seen Annie standing outside of the 29th Hanbury Street Around 5:30 a.m in the company of a dark-haired man wearing a brown deerstalker hat and a dark overcoat of a shabby genteel appearance.
0: Shabby genteel.
1: Um, according to Elizabeth Long, the man had asked Chapman the question, "Will you?" to which Chapman replied, "Yes, which leads me to believe that Sherlock Holmes was out here as Jack the Ripper.
0: Is that what the deer oh, that is what a deerstalker hat is. I had to look it up.
1: I just asked me. I knew that one.
0: And then later, she reported hearing someone say, Annie, are you okay? Are, are you, you okay, okay Annie? Annie? And she said, no, no. No. And that's what no. uh, dark early morning poopy pants.
1: Early morning poopy pants. I forget his name. It's exactly how he wanted to be remembered.
0: I was sitting in my laboratory.
1: Dee Dee, get out of my laboratory.
0: Taking a morning, doing a little. Early morning alchemy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> early morning alchemy is what I'm going to call mo- when I have to poop in the morning from yeah. now on.
1: No. Okay. Okay, we got a little early morning alchemy. That's no longer a bathroom. That's the lavatory.
0: Yes. Laboratory. Laboratory. If you're fancy.
1: Okay. A few weeks later, Elizabeth Stride's body was discovered at approximately 1 a.m. Sunday, September 30th, by a Louis Dimschultz. Okay. He had driven into the poorly illuminated yard with his horse and two-wheeled cart when his horse was like, what the
0: fuck, mate? I think there's something going on over here. My horse horse senses tell me something
1: is amiss. The horse was trying to avoid what appeared to be a a bundle lying on the ground. Uh, Lewis tried to lift the object with his whip handle before getting off the cart. He lit a match and found the body of Elizabeth Stride. He ran inside a nearby club to report his discovery before running to find a policeman. The blood was still flowing from a single knife wound inflicted to her neck.
0: The blood was still flowing? Mm-hmm. It's usually a sign that, you know, someone's not dead. Yet. Just saying.
1: Um, her hands dead were- people co- don't bleed. Well, her hands were cold to the touch, but other sections of her body were still quite warm, which would suggest that she had been killed shortly before her discovery. So she still could be bleeding out, maybe.
0: I like how there's an emphasis on their hands being cold but what time of year is this september in london yeah so probably their hands were cold anyway because like your hands and feet get cold before the rest of you
1: that's true it was quite cold in london when i went in october so several patrons of the working men's educational club who had left the premises between 1230 and 1250 informed the police that they had observed nothing suspicious Uh, Dr. George Baxter Philip who had examined the body of Annie Chapman arrived a mere 10 minutes later
0: Is this the suspicious? doctor? This is the one I'm suspicious of. Okay.
1: Okay. No other reason than he is awfully quick to get to the crime scene.
0: And what was it called the Education the men's education club
1: working men's educational club
0: working men's educational club. What in the fucking hell was that? No idea it's midnight here at the Working Men's Educational Club and nothing is amiss.
1: It's wild to me to just think that they're... this is 1888, London East End, and people are just casually living their whole lives in the middle of the night.
0: It's just like dudes hanging out at midnight at their educational club. And this, you see, if you add the H, it makes more of a th sound instead of a... <laughs> 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 I'm just thinking maybe, is that a fancy name for like a strip club? Yes, ye olde strip parlor. Mm. And reading room.
1: It's really a brothel. No idea. Okay. it's
0: Like a strip club and a story time.
1: It's a pub. It's a topless pub. Okay,
0: anyway. It's a shoeless pub. Plot twist. Mm. It's a very specific kink. Gross. Anyway, <laughs> sorry.
1: So, um, Phillip's official post-mortem document states, the body was lying on on the near side with the face turned towards the wall head up the yard and the feet towards the street the left arm was extended and there was a packet of cough drops in the left hand the right arm was over the belly the back of the hand and wrist had on it clotted blood the legs were drawn up with the feet close to the wall the body and face were warm and the hands cold the legs were still quite warm the deceased had a silk handkerchief around her neck and it appeared to be slightly torn I have since ascertained it, it was cut. This corresponded with the right angle of the jaw. The throat was deeply gashed and there was an abrasion of the skin about one and a quarter inches in diameter, apparently stained with blood under her right uh, brow. At 3 p.m. on Monday at St. George's Mortuary, Dr. Blackwell and I made a post-mortem examination. Rigor mortis was still thoroughly marked. There was mud on the left side of the face and it was matted in the head. The body was fairly nourished over both shoulders, especially the right and under the collarbone. And in front of the chest, there was a bluish discoloration, which I have watched and seen on two occasions since. So I'm going to guess she was bruised.
0: Hmm. That's what it sounds like.
1: Yeah. There was a clear cut incision on the neck. It was six inches in length and commenced two and a half inches in a straight line below the angle of the jaw. Three quarters of an inch over an undivided muscle and then becoming deeper divided the sheath. The cut was very clean and deviated a little downward. The arteries and other vessels contained in the sheath were all cut through. The cut through the tissues on the right was more superficial and tailed off about two inches below the right angle of the jaw. The deep vessels on the side were uninjured. From this, the evidence that the hemorrhage that caused through a partial severance of the left carotid artery with a small bladed knife could have been used.
0: Interesting. I was going to say it probably wasn't the throat slashing that killed her. No, just the. Cause like, it's funny because as much as you see it in like movies and stuff, the likelihood of that killing you is less than other places because You've gotta get that, the propensity right for there. people to pull people's heads back, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of moves all the vital stuff, so you're cutting from here to here. Your carotid arteries are down here, you know.
1: Yeah, so they made a, a downward angle.
0: It sound this is what it sounds like to me because each. The first two victims were similar, right? Mm-hmm. They both had the two cuts in their neck. They both had their bowels manipulated. Um, the second one, there's the throat slash, and then it looked like maybe one stab from a smaller blade, right? Is that what they said? On the second one? Yeah, on the third one. This one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and anything with their stomach?
1: Well, it was in the His opinion that Elizabeth's murderer may have pulled her backwards onto the ground by her neckerchief before cutting her throat Um, and the absence of any further mutilations to her body has led to uncertainty as whether or not Stride's murder was committed by the Ripper or whether he was interrupted during the attack.
0: Uh, Is it possible maybe he heard the horse carriage coming that discovered her?
1: Well, they think he was interrupted.
0: Uh, But, like, it sounds like she was... Maybe she just fell that way, but I was gonna say it sounded like she was positioned
1: in my head She's like serial killers
0: evolve, it right like they
1: well that but in my head she is kind of contorted After being like Let go. Yeah, and like her knees fell one way and her legs are up against the wall. and She's kind of like
0: I got you Okay,
1: that's what I'm picturing in my head at least so Several witnesses and in, uh, later informed Feliz that they had seen Stride in the company of a man in or close to Burner Street on the evening of the 29th of September, but in the early hours of September 30th. Um, sorry, in the evening of September 29th and in the early morning of the 30th. Um, but each gave like a different description. Okay. So there's really no telling if that's true or not.
0: Right. Also, probably not super easy to see. Yeah. You know, not really a whole lot of... I don't think their streetlights were very sophisticated.
1: No. This is why I'm just like, why was everybody just up in the middle of the night? Like, there's no lights. Probably very dark.
0: Is it... You know, I heard that people used to sleep differently, too. So that might have something to do with it. You
1: know what? They used to do, like, the four...
0: Yeah. Four-hour shifts. Four-hour sleep. Wake up. Wake up. 4 hours. sleep.
1: Regardless. All right. So, not even... Forty-five minutes later, Catherine Eddowes was found. Her throat was severed and her abdomen ripped open by a long, deep, jagged wound before her intestines had been placed over her right shoulder. The left kidney and the major part of her uterus had been removed and her face had been disfigured with her nose severed. Her cheeks slashed in the cuts, measuring a quarter of an inch to half an inch respectively, vertically incised through each of her eyelids.
0: And what was her name?
1: Uh, Catherine E. In- Eddos I'm probably
0: pronouncing the last name wrong, but no, uh, it's. I mean, it sounds like that's how it's spelled, right? E d d o w e s.
1: Yep. Yeah, so we talk. Um, I talk about. She had like a triangular incision. Ooh. So, like the apex of which pointed towards her eye, had also been carved upon each of her cheeks, and a section of her right ear was later uh, recovered oh, from her clothing. So she like a piece of her ear cut off. Uh huh. Um, The police surgeon who had conducted the post-mortem upon Edo's body stated his opinion that these mutilations would have taken at least five minutes.
0: So maybe he was pissed because he got interrupted, and that's why it happened so soon after.
1: I think that's what they're thinking. Um, A local cigarette salesman named Joseph Lawend had passed through the square with two friends shortly before the murder. He described seeing a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman who may have been Edo's um his companions were unable to confirm his description and the murder of stride and eddo's ultimately became known as the double event
0: oh
1: um sections of catherine's uh, bloodied apron was found at the entrance of a tenement nearby okay. a chalk inscription upon the wall directly above this piece of apron read the jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing um the message appeared to imply that a Jew or Jews in general were responsible for a series of murders. Um, but it is unclear that whether or not the graffiti was written by the ripper or if it was already there or if all of this was just like merely a coincidence. Possibly
0: completely unrelated.
1: Possibly completely unrelated. But during this time like the newspaper is a thing they're sens- sensationalizing everything. Well
0: like, also the news during this time in our history was just Completely unchecked sensationalism garbage. Yeah,
1: and the last of the five would be the Uh, Extensively mutilated and disemboweled body of Mary Jane Kelly She was discovered lying on a bed in a single room where she lived at 13 Miller Miller's Court at 1045 a.m. On Friday November 9th 1888 her face had been hacked beyond recognition her throat had been severed down to the spine, and the abdomen almost emptied of his organs. Her uterus, kidneys, one breast had all been placed beneath her head, and other organs from her body had been placed besides her foot. Sections of her abdomen and thighs had been placed upon a bedside table. The heart was never found. Unlike the other four victims, they had all been murdered outdoors, whose mutilations could have been committed within minutes. Kelly's murder was inside a sparsely furnished single room, affording her murderer an extensive period of time. They said while the others would have taken minutes, this one would have taken at least two hours to perform. And evidence supports that as multiple ashes found within the fireplace suggests that Kelly's murderer had burned several combustible items to illuminate the room. Wow. Um, the photo of this one, you can find it on the internet. They recently colorized it. Um, but I really think the colorized version of it does it a disservice. But it's gnarly
0: yeah like sounds it sounds gnarly
1: I don't want to say it's not graphic but it's not graphic in the way that you would think look it up if you want I don't think I'm gonna post anything towards it but it's out there and it's very easily accept- accessible okay but also say that like knowing that like most things don't bother me so
0: well now I have to see it Look it up. I will. Now. Right now? Yeah, do it now. This website is called jacktheripper.org. Let me see. Well, so far it's just faces. Oh, I see it. Damn, son. Yeah, that is fucked up. This is the part of the movie shortly before Johnny Depp overdoses. This one? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the colorization just kind of makes it look... Makes it look fake, right? Like a painting or something. Anyway. So.
1: Okay, so most experts point to the deep slash wounds to the throat followed by the extensive abdominal and genital area mutilation and the removal of internal organs and progressive facial mutilations as distinctive features of the ripper's motive yeah their throats were cut prior to the abdominal mutilations and the removal of internal organs from at least three of the victims led to the proposal that their killer had some kind of anatomical or like surgical knowledge each of the canonical five murders were perpetrated at night, on, or close to a weekend, either at the end of the month or a week or so after. Um, the mutilations became increasingly severe as the series of murders proceeded, except for that one of Stride, whose attacker may have been interrupted. Right. Um, Nichols was not missing any organs. Chapman's uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina were taken. Meadows had her uterus and left kidney removed and her face mutilated. Kelly's body was extensively evacerated with her face gashed in all directions and the tissue of her neck being severed to the bone. And although her heart was the sole body organ missing from that crime scene. Mm. While many of the files relating to the Ripper investigations were lost to the bombings of London, the surviving files allow a detailed view of the investigation A large police team conducted house-to-house inquiries throughout Whitechapel. Forensic materials was collected. Suspects were identified and examined before being eliminated. And more than 200 people were interviewed. Over 300 people were investigated. And 80 people were actually detained. Oh, wow. Um, Butchers, slaughterers, surgeons, and physicians were suspected because of the manners of mutilation. Despite continued interest in the case, the representative identity remains unknown.
0: Um. Yeah, so, see, butchers. I would have suspected butchers.
1: Um, I, re- I have, like, the criminal profile next, and I'm very excited about it. Okay. Because that stuff inter- interests me a, a lot. A lot.
0: A I'm very lot. interested.
1: I'm very, very interested. Criminal okay, anyway, profiles. at the end of October, a man named Thomas Bond was asked to give his opinion on the extent of the murderous surgical skill and knowledge. Mm-hmm. This would go on to be the earliest surviving criminal profile. Bond would go on to state that all five murderers, no doubt, were committed by the same hand. Um, in the first four, the throats appear to have been cut left to right. And in the last case, owing the extensive mutilation, it is impossible to say what direction the fatal cut was made.
0: Made left to right?
1: Yeah, they were cut from left to right. Like, downward. Um, all circumstantial evidence found surrounding the murderers Uh, lead me to form the opinion that women must have been lying down when murdered and in every case the throat was first cut. That's Thomas Bond
0: speaking, not me. So if they were laying down when they were murdered and they were cut left to right, then they were probably left-handed maybe? Maybe. Because Don't you think you would hold your knife in your dominant hand if you're laying someone down and you cut them left to right?
1: Yeah. Sorry, I I had to visualize it in my head.
0: 1888 police if you're hiring.
1: (laughs) Um, Bond was against the idea that the murderer possessed any kind of scientific or anatomical knowledge or even, like, technical knowledge of a butcher or horse slaughter. In his opinion, this killer must have been a man of solitary habits, subject to periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania. And there's no evidence that the perpetrator engaged in sexual activity with any of the victims, yet... Psychologists suppose that the penetration of the victims with a knife and leaving them on display in a sexually degrading position with wounds exposed indicates that the perpetrator derives sexual pleasure from the attacks. Although that view is challenged by others who dismiss dismiss such hypothesis as insupportable, uh, not supported. Right. Words. And the concentration of killings around weekends and public holidays and within sorts of... Within a short distance of each other has indicated to many that the Ripper was in regular employment and lived locally Others have thought that the killer was an educated upper-class man Possibly a doctor or an aristocrat who ventured into Whitechapel from a more well-to-do area But at this point any speculation on who Jack the Ripper was is circumstantial,
0: right? Just seems strange like if he was coming Well, I guess they had regular employment too, right? Like upper-class aristocratic people.
1: Oh, it's raining. Oh,
0: man. That came out of nowhere.
1: (laughs) I know the sun's still out.
0: Maybe it'll slap. Look how terrified she looks. Finley, you good, girl?
1: Um, I just want to touch on the Whitechapel murders that came later. Okay. Uh... And while Mary Jane Kelly is generally considered to be the Ripper's final victim, it is assumed that the crimes ended because of either like the killer died, he got imprisoned, he was institutionalized, or like just immigrated away.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, The Whitechapel murders file details for other murders that occurred after the Canonical Five.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Rose Millett... Alice McKenzie, the Pension Street Torso, and Francis Cole's. Come here.
0: Please excuse the sound of our doggie's feet.
1: He's raining outside and they're scared. Um, The Pension Street Torso and Francis Cole. Um, Rose Milette was found on December 20th, 1880. There is no signs of a struggle, but the police believe that she had either accidentally hanged herself with her collar while in a drunken stupor or committed suicide. However, faint markings left by a cord on one side of her neck suggest that she may have been strangled. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice McKenzie was murdered shortly after midnight on July seventeenth, 1889. Alice McKenzie was um, from Castle Alley Whitechapel. She suffered two stab wounds to her neck, and her left carotid artery, artery had been severed, several minor bruises and cuts. arteries, uh, And arteries. Several minor bruises and cuts were found on her body, which also bore a seven-inch-long superficial wound extending from her left breast to her navel. Um, one of the examining pathologists, Thomas Bond.
0: Bond. Thomas Bond.
1: Well, he's the one who wrote the criminal profile. Oh, okay. Believed this to be the Ripper, a Ripper murder, although his colleagues George Baxter Phillips, the person I am suspicious of, uh-huh. um, disagreed.
0: Well, what the fuck does he know? Maybe well, a he lot. would
1: know because he did it right there was the pension street torso which is a decomposing headless and legless torso of an unidentified woman aged between 30 and 40 discovered beneath a railway arch on pension street uh september tenth, eighteen 1889 bruising around the victim's neck hip and arm indicated the decedent had been extensively beaten shortly after shortly before her death um the victim's abdomen was also extensively mutilated although her general's Had not been wounded, she appeared to have been killed approximately one day prior to the discovery of her torso. The dismembered sections of her body are believed to have been transported to the railway arch hidden under an old uh, tarp.
0: Oh, damn.
1: But that one would have been weird because it was found a day later.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. All the other ones were found like mere minutes afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it fits quite well, but... They included it.
0: Well, it's a suspicion. What do I know? They're suspicious of everything. What do I know? There's a murder going on.
1: Uh, And Frances Cole was discovered February 13th, 1891 at 2.15 a.m. beneath a railway arch in the Swallow Gardens of Whitechapel. Her throat had been deeply cut, but her body was not mutilated, um, leading some to believe that Thompson had disturbed her assailant. Uh, Cole's was still alive, although she died before medical help could arrive um someone was actually charged with the murder for this case um but was later discharged for lack of court lack of evidence Jack the Ripper was not the first serial killer however it was one of the first true crime cases to create a worldwide worldwide media frenzy and this was for a few reasons the Elementary Education Act of 1880 made school attendance a requirement so by 1888 more working-class people in england and wales were finally literate another factor was that because of tax reforms in the 1850s led to the publication of inexpensive newspapers with wider circulation later in the victorian era newspapers cost as little as half a penny um so popular the left side oh uh popular magazines such as the illustrated police news which at the height of the investigation sold over 1 million copies um, gave extensive coverage devoted to the murderers, and, of course, many articles were sensationalized and speculative. False information was regularly uh, printed as fact. In addition, several articles speculating, as the identity of the Ripper alluded to, local xenophobic rumors that per- the um, perpetrator was either Jewish or foreign.
0: Foreign, foreign.
1: <laughs> um extensive newspaper coverage solidified the legend of the ripper the extensive newspaper coverage solidified the legend of the ripper while there are many victims of murder during and connected to the white murders only five known as the canonical five are considered to be most likely linked to the ripper the murderers were never solved, and the legends surrounding these crimes have become a combination of historical research, folklore, and pseudo-history. And real quick, a word from our sponsors. Hello, do you want to make more money? Well, I can't really help you with that, but if you
0: can't think of a way to segue from one part of your podcast into the next, you should try Fake Commercials. Fake Commercials, brought to you by our Odd Pod podcast.
1: Ah, yes. Where were we?
0: Ah, uh, yes. Ah, the A letters. product that we could all use.
1: Yes. Ah, yes. Um, The letters <laughs> we were talking about. <laughs> um. Over the course of the Whitechapel murders, the police, along with the newspapers, received hundreds of letters regarding the case. Um, many of them were just, like, telling the police how to do their jobs and how to actually catch the murderers while Other letters claim to have been written by the killer himself, and three of the most popular letters are the Dear Boss letter, the Saucy Jackie postcard, and the From Hell letter. The Dear Boss letter was dated uh, the 25th of September Mm -hmm. and postmarked on the 27th and was received by the Central News Agency and was forwarded to Scotland Yard on September 29th. It was the first thought to be a hoax, but when Eddowes was found three days later after the... um, Postmark with a section of her ear indirectly cut from the body. The promise of the authors to clip the lady's ear off gained attention. And the name Jack the Ripper was first used in this letter by the signatory and gained worldwide notoriety after its publication.
0: Would you like to hear the letter? Yeah. Um, Which one was it? This is the Dear Boss letter. Okay. Are you ready now? I'm ready now. Dear Boss. I keep on hearing the police have caught me but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on whores and I shan't quit ripping them till I I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha.
1: (laughs) Do you have the um, Saucy Jackie postcard? Mm -hmm. You want to go ahead and read that?
0: Yeah. I was not caught. I was not dear old boss when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event this time. Number one squealed a bit. Couldn't finish straight off. Had not got time to get ears off for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I got to work again. Jack the Ripper.
1: So the saucy Jackie postcard was postmarked for the 1st of October, 1888 and was received the same day by the Central News Agency. Um, the handwriting was similar to the Dear Boss letter and mentioned the canonical murders committed on September 30th, um, which the author refers to by writing double event this time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. And
0: eludes to the fact that they were interrupted
1: Um, it has been argued that the postcard was posted before the murders were publicized, uh, making it unlikely that a person would hold such knowledge of the crime. However, it is postmarked more than 24 hours after the killings had occurred, long after the details of the murder were known and published by journalists, and it has become generally um, community gossip.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: Um, And the From Hell letter... If you want to yeah, read that one. That one's kind of hard to read because it's a bunch of misspelled words.
0: Yeah. From hell, Mr. Lusk, sore. I send you half the kidney I took from one woman, preserved it for you Totherpiece. piece. I fried and ate. It was very nice. I may send you the bloody niff that took it out if you only niff. wait a will longer. Signed, catch me when you can, Mr. Lusk.
1: So the From Hell letter was received by a George Lusk, uh, the leader of the Whitechapel Vigilance uh, Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, on October 16th, 1988, the handwriting and style is unlike that of the Dear Boss letter and the Saucy Jackie postcard. The letter came with a small box in which Lusk discovered Half of a human kidney preserved in ethanol. Um, Edo's left the kidney sorry. Edo's left kidney had been removed by the killer. The writer claimed that he fried and ate the missing kidney half. There is a disagreement over the kidney. Some contend that it belonged to Edo's, while others argued it was like a macabre practical joke. Yeah. The kidney was examined by Dr. Thomas Openshaw of the London Hospital, who determined that it was human and from the left side of the kidney. hmm One kidney. Um, contrary to, like, false newspaper reports, he determined, he could not determine any other, like, biological characteristics because DNA is not a thing yet. Right. Um... The original letter and the kidney which accompanied it have been lost probably due to bombings, um, along with other contents that were contained in the Ripper police files. The From Hell letter is written at a much lower level of literacy than other letters purporting to be from the murderer in that this letter features numerous errors in spelling and grammar. The uh Scholars have debated whether this is like a deliberate misdirection, as the author observed uh, the silent K and knife, but right uh, left out the age and while. Um, the formatting of this letter also features a cramped writing style in which the letters are pressed together haphazardly. Uh, many ink blots appear in the manner, which might indicate that the writer was unfamiliar with the like unused unfamiliar with using a pen yeah the formatting of the message might point to it have being a hoax by a well-educated individual but some researchers have argued that this is genuine work of a partly functional but deranged individual
0: i'm wondering like if it could have been the same person just in a more manic state
1: maybe um and then like real quick i just have like two little fun facts for you at the end
0: give me two little fun facts
1: the term ripperology or a ripperologist, is coined to describe the study and analyst of the Ripper cases.
0: I'm glad you said that.
1: Thank you. And um, in 2006, the BBC History magazine polled selected Jack the Ripper as the worst Briton in history.
0: Oh, nice. Glad to see us at the top of that list. <laughs> Would you like to hear who Jack the Ripper may have been? Yes. Because I have a contribution to make to this episode.
1: Tell me now.
0: So who was Jack the Ripper? Who was he? Uh, These killings have and forever will remain embedded in the public consciousness. Over the years, scores of Ripperologists have developed numerous theories regarding the identity of Jack the Ripper. The list of possible suspects has included such names as Lord Randolph Henry Spencer Churchill, who was the father of Winston Churchill. I was going to ask. Lewis Carroll. Notorious.
1: Alice in Wonderland? Yes. Notorious
0: pedophile and author of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Prince Albert Victor, grandson of Queen Victoria and second in line to the British throne. However, I saw that. this theory is less believable because he was thought to have been trapped in a can during the killing spree. Mm-hmm. Get Because it? it's Prince Albert in a can. It's a joke. <laughs> Some people, myself included, even believe that Jack the Ripper may have actually been Jill the Ripper. One female suspect was Mary Piercy, who was executed in 1890 after butchering her lover's wife and child with a carving knife in a similar manner to the not- notorious serial killer. Okay. Now, there was a shawl taken from the scene of Jack's fourth victim by acting Sergeant Amos Simpson. Who this- oh, is
1: this the... Go ahead, I think I know what you're talking this about.
0: This story is weird because he was actually given permission by his superiors to take the shawl as a gift for his wife. Not surprisingly, the gift was not well received.
1: Because it was like covered in blood, wasn't yes.
0: it? Simpson's horrified wife stashed the seven-foot-long fabric in a box. It was never worn or washed. The shawl was passed from generation to generation of Simpson's family. Eventually, in 2007, it was put up for auction and purchased by an English businessman named Russell Edwards. Edwards was a self-proclaimed armchair detective who was fascinated by cold cases. Although the silk fabric had seen better days, it still contained valuable DNA evidence. Because it
1: hadn't been washed. Since
0: it was never washed. After more than three years of scientific analysis, Russell claims that Jack the Ripper's true identity has, had been found in the 126-year-old shawl. In his book, Naming Jack the Ripper, he claims Polish immigrant Aaron Kozminski as the serial killer. In 2011, Edwards hired forensic geneticist Dr. Jerry Luhalinen of Liverpool John Moores <laughs> University. The doctor studied the shawl using a level of analysis that only became possible in the last decade. Lou Helanin identified some dark splotches on the shawl as stains that were consistent with arterial blood spatter caused by slashing. He also discovered evidence of split body parts consistent with a kidney removal as well as the presence of seminal fluid. Lou Helanin found the mitochondrial DNA taken from the shawl matched that taken from Karen Miller, a direct descendant of Edo's, as well as a female descendant of Kosminski's sister Matilda, who provided swabs of mitochondrial DNA from the inside of her mouth. Nice. Apparently, police who worked the case at the time would not have been terribly surprised to see Kosminski's name linked to the crime because during Jack's killing spree, Kosminski was actually among the short list of primary suspects. Really? Kaminsky was born in Kledawa, Poland in 1865. After the death of his father, the family immigrated to London's Whitechapel section in 1881. Uh, It's interesting because this part of Poland was controlled by the Russians at the time. And you mentioned people fleeing fleeing Russia. Um, It was likely that Kaminsky was a paranoid schizophrenic. In 1891, he was admitted into an asylum after attacking his sister with a knife. In the mid-1890s, a witness identified him as the person attacking one of the victims. Unfortunately, the witness refused to testify. Lacking any hard evidence, police never arrested Kaminsky for the crimes. Instead, he remained institutionalized until his death in 1919 from gangrene. Edwards had long held the theory that the shawl was too damn fancy to have been worn (laughs) by a London prostitute. So obviously, it must have belonged to Jack the Ripper and not the victim. Okay. Another Liverpool John Moores University scientist, Dr. Fiaz Ishmael, used nuclear magnetic resonance to determine that the fabric's age predated the 1888 murders and was likely made near St. Petersburg, Russia. Okay. The region of Poland where Kuzminski was born was under Russian control, and it would not have been unusual for Russian goods to have been traded there. Quote, I've spent 14 years working on it, and we have definitively solved the mystery of who Jack the Ripper was. Edwards told London's independent newspaper. Only non-believers that want to perpetuate the myth will doubt. This is it now. We have unmasked him.
1: I read that article. <laughs> However,
0: many riparologists are not convinced. The report has generated plenty of skeptics. Some are skeptical because the lab- laboratory analysis... I almost said laboratory. <laughs> analysis has yet to be published in a peer-reviewed scientific journal right. that Lou Helenan was only able to test mitochondrial DNA which is passed down from mothers to children and offers much less of a unique identifier than nuclear DNA. In fact, many people can share similar mitochondrial DNA signatures. Mm-hmm. Other critics refute the notion that Simpson was even at the crime scene the night of the murder in question, as well as nothing as noting that the shawl may have been contaminated over the decades since it has been held by many members of the victim's family. This isn't even the first time that DNA evidence has supposedly cracked the case. American crime novelist Patricia Cornwell asserted that DNA samples found on the taunting letters sent by Jack the Ripper to Scotland Yard matched those of post-Impressionist painter Walter Sickert. And a 2006 study by Australian scientist Ian Findlay extracted DNA from the saliva on the letters and determined that it was likely that the sender was a woman. So even with the latest news, it's unlikely the debate on Jack the Ripper's identity is over.
1: Yeah. I know Patricia Cornwell. We have some of her books here.
0: Oh, really? Yep. So that's my small contribution to your podcast.
1: Thank you. I was here for it.
0: I hope it was a nice little way to round it out. I think so. So one thing we forgot to do in the beginning, uh, you can find us at www.ouroddpodpodcast.com. You can find all our links to various podcasting sites at linktr.ee slash OOPP. Um if you like our intro and outro music, you can find it at darrencurtismusic.com. Stop licking that. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, you can check out our Patreon. It's uh, in our link tree. And otherwise, if you have nothing else...
1: I've got nothing else.
0: I've got nothing else either. So as always, we, we are, are the Boneses Bones and we are, are out. out.